0: Good morning, everyone. Church, good morning. good morning. We gotta stay alive together. Uh, before we get started, let's welcome Ventura and Carpinteria. Uh, please turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter 4, as uh, we're going to look at verse 13, but before we do that, we're going to back up to verse 11, where Paul says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now we see how this is to be done. It's verse 13. This is going to continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. That we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of of Christ. Lord, thank you for your word that you preserved for us this morning. We ask that you would open our minds, hearts and souls to receive the goodness from it. We desire to mature. We desire to grow in the Lord. To grow in the knowledge and we ask by the power of your spirit that you would allow that to take place this morning for all of us. Your church, your bride, your sons, your daughters, we desire this. So we ask it in your powerful and wonderful name. Amen. Amen, amen. So Paul, as he was speaking of equipping and building up the body of Christ, the church... He now begins to unfold that goal in which this takes place to bring us to the unity of faith. I like that phrase. It shows that the real unity of the body of Christ is the unity of faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ. Not the unity of a structure or an organization, but the unity of faith. We're not unified by what we wear. We're not unified by a denomination. We're unified in the faith of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's important for us to realize all believers in all different congregations are included in the unity of faith. There's an essential that we are unified in and that's Christ Jesus. This desire that Paul describes growing in unity, friends, ultimately is essential because he says so as we read in verse 13, this will continue until we all, this is, this is no left behind attitude, all. This is the case where all means all and that's all that all means. That we all come to unity. Friends, understand that this was the passion of prayer found in the high priestly prayer of John 17, where Jesus is praying for us, that we would be unified. And in that passionate prayer, he prays that we would be unified as he is with the Father, that eternal, deep unity that exists in the Trinity, He prays that you and I would experience that unity here as the body of Christ. So it's safe to say that this is definitely something that we are to grow in. We grow in this. We grow in our unity ultimately by growing in knowledge and maturity in Christ. Um, I used to be a youth pastor about 10 years ago, Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara. And uh, I was a youth pastor there for 10 years. And so like almost 10 years ago and then add another 10 years, like 20 years ago, forever ago, uh, when I first got involved, there was a group of youth pastors here in Santa Barbara that got together. It's called Ecclesia. And we would gather and we would pray high schoolers, and I loved it, and um, as we gathered together, we prayed, it was like in us praying together, we were united together, and we would share with each other, oh, so and so is now going to your youth group, that's awesome, keep after him, watch over him, it was never a, like, hey, so and so is going to your church, you better send them back to mine, I need numbers. It was never that at all because we were unified in praying. I think if we just got together to brainstorm, it would have ended that way where, hey, give me my kids back. But because we were unified in faith and in prayer, there was this eternal perspective. And it was funny that we used to challenge each other. And so what what made it potent is when kids would come, uh, and and I would introduce myself to uh, to my youth group, they would say, oh, I'm from uh, this first Baptist, or I'm from there, and I would say, oh, you know so-and-so. And And they would always look with curiosity, you know them? Yeah, I know them. They're not the enemy. Other churches are not the enemy. That's the body of Christ. And there was just... Uh, you could see in their, their faces there was a sigh of relief, like, wow, okay, that's cool. You know so-and-so. That's awesome. But interesting enough, 20 years ago, um, the senior pastors didn't get together in this city. And, and it kind of grieved us. We were like, man, I, I guess they just need to mature a little bit. So, we would poke fun of them as uh, youth pastors, but the cool thing is, for the last five years in this city, pastors and associate pastors and youth leaders alike gather together and pray once a month. Every Thursday, the first Thursday of the month, it just happened. It's so powerful. Because what God is wanting to do as a body, as his believers, as his saints, he wants us to mature in unity. He wants us to grow in it. And friends, I I feel like this is taking place in this community. And I want you to be aware of it. Because I believe you play an important part. And that is for you specifically, individually are called to grow and mature as well. We're co- called to grow and mature, grow in the knowledge, as it says here. Growing in knowledge of the Son of God is, is, is a call to intimacy with Christ. Not growing in knowledge for the sake of knowledge, but growing in the knowledge of Christ for the sake of intimacy. And that's the work of the gifted offices mentioned here in verse 12. They're called to help grow the church in maturing. I mean, trip out on this. We're called to continue to unite. Till we all come to such unity and faith in the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Church, that's heavy. That's heavy. You read this, it's like, wait, is the Apostle Paul calling us to perfection? Because, I mean, read this. Till we all grow in the knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That is heavy. That is a shocking statement. And yet it, it falls in perfect line with what Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew five forty eight. Where he declares to his people, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be holy as he is holy, we're called to. In this statement, Jesus shares the will of God for men. And that is to call out a redeemed people to be perfect. The perfection of the saints, then, is the redemptive plan of God from the very beginning. God's plan was to redeem us and restore us back to that original plan that Adam and Eve experienced. So, what do I mean when I say the perfecting of the saints? Well, there's three types of perfection in the Bible. Positional perfection, ultimate perfection, and experiential perfection. Positional perfection is through believing in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We stand before God perfect, holy, and righteous. Colossians 2.9 Part of 10 says, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. Church, can I get an amen? amen. Hebrews ten fourteen says, for by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. You see, positionally before Christ, we have been made perfect. Through the blood of the lamb. This is nothing that we have earned. We have been given this perfection by the work on the cross. Church, there's somebody in this room that needs to be reminded that you stand before God perfect, holy, cleansed, made righteous. Not because of what you've done and what you have not done. It's because you believe in what Christ Jesus has done. On the cross, you stand before him holy. Your position before him is holy because the barrier has been broken. The hostility between a sinful man and a holy God has been broken and remedied through the work of the cross. That's why we say yes and amen. Because... We stand before Him, perfect. Then there's the ultimate perfection, a future experience when we will be like Him when we're with Him. Whew, I long for this day to be with my Savior. Yet, I know my time obviously has not come because I'm still here. Some of you are wishing I was gone, And just so you know, I too wish I was gone. (laughs) Not yet. Like the Apostle Paul says, "To, to die is gain, but to live is Christ. We've been given breath this morning to live for him. Though we long to be with him. A future experience where we'll experience the ultimate perfection Read with me in Hebrews 12, where it says, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the myriads of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Friends, this is a reference to the saints who have been taken up into heaven. You and I will one day be given new bodies. Described from Jesus as a place of paradise. Paradise would not be paradise if I rolled up like this. Because my body here is imperfect. My teenage daughters remind me all the time. Dad, you have hair growing on your ears. So gross. (laughs) I'm not perfect. But I will be. Spiritually, physically, long to be with him. I like what Paul says in Philippians 3, 12. He says this. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold that for which also I have laid hold of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do... Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to that which lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many are perfect, have this attitude. And if there is anything you have different attitude, God will reveal that Also to you, however, let us keep living by the same standard which we have obtained. Paul is looking towards the ultimate perfection, and it's what's motivating him to grab a hold of current intimacy with Christ, motivates him for the eternal intimacy. That's a great motivator. So there's this positional perfection which we stand and know and believe that because of what God has done in sending his son, we stand perfect before him. There's a future ultimate perfection when we will be perfected physically, spiritually. And then there's the Experiential perfection, practical day by day perfection that we can realize and grow in now, church. Now, that's what we're reading about here in verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard in Christ. This ought to be the goal of the Christian. You and I should see this as a goal that we seek to grow in, to grow in the knowledge of Christ Jesus to grow in maturity. I fear that. In our society today. In the Christian culture. That there is a lack. Of desire to grow in holiness. Yet it is clear. It is clear from our heavenly father. That we should grow. Day by day. Friends. Do you understand that that goal simply means to grow in intimacy with him? To grow in the knowledge of the Son of Jesus Christ means to grow in intimacy. To grow in maturity means to grow in intimacy with Christ. Because by doing, by growing and maturing our lives become more effective for his kingdom. 2 Peter 3:18 says, "We are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen." My brothers and sisters, the goal of you and I is to grow in the knowledge of Christ, to grow in maturity, to grow in intimacy That is the reason of evangelists and teaching pastors, why apostles and prophets are called is to the perfecting of the saints. Understand this, no man can make anyone perfect. Only God can make us perfect. But we are called to teach and see God bring about this kind of practical perfection daily in men. That's what this passage is all about. The Greek word for perfecting means fully equipped, fully grown, mature, complete, and total. It's important for us to realize that God is not demanding sinless perfection. He is demanding intimacy. In a way a father does his children. He is not demanding that we live sinless perfection. But he is asking for fully equipped, fully grown, mature, complete Christians. God is asking that we continue in the maturity of being like his son. This pleases the Father. I like what it says in 2 Corinthians 7.1. Because we have these promises, dear friends, Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. This morning we need to rekindle a right, proper fear of God. Desiring to be molded and shaped in his image. To be more like him. We can't just go in cruise control. But the interesting thing is, 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 is call, Paul's not calling us to get her done, like try harder. It's almost as if he's saying bow lower. Dig deeper in intimacy. That is what maturity is, Intimacy. Think of marriages. I love seeing old couples, 50 years of marriage, holding hands, walking on the bluffs there in Carpinteria. It's the cutest thing ever. To see, you you could see the maturity in them. A maturity of intimacy that a, a year of one marriage, uh, one year, can, can, cannot obtain to. You've got to grow in that. That's something that you grow and mature in. And Christ desires that with his church, his bride. He desires to grow in intimacy. And that comes on our end. Hebrews 13, 20 says this. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of everlasting covenant, may he make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory ever and ever, amen. This next quote I have is from an apostle that gets what I'm talking about. Gets the idea of maturity, bringing out more effectiveness for the glory of God. As I read this quote, I I would ask that you would Open your mind to hear what the Spirit is wanting to say to us as a congregation in a season in which we've been promised fruitfulness. In order for fruitfulness to come, we need to cultivate something. And this apostle lays it out for us. He says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. Get that. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us Great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable us to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provisions of moral excellence And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with a patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with the love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then the God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, God is calling us as a church to grow in the knowledge of him, to deepen in our maturity with him. This is not to be taken lightly. The freedom that we have experienced in the Lord should lead us in this. We're called to walk in grace, not trample on grace. So that is why we need to fully take what is written here in God's word and digest and ask and seek where we are in error. What is keeping us from maturing? What is keeping us from growing? Because I like what it says here. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. I desire to be useful for the kingdom of God. That should be our desire for our heavenly father to please him. But we know that this is not done by works because we stand positionally before him righteous. So we don't do good things to please him. We do these things to grow in intimacy with him. So friends, how do we cultivate this growing in knowledge? How do we cultivate maturing in him? Through plowing through his word. That is how we cultivate this. That intimacy I'm talking about comes through times of refreshment, through his word, and repentance. In the error of our way, when we read his word, he's revealing us to, to us the direction that we are to head. We, he's revealing to us things that we need for life in godliness. These things that we talk about, wanting to grow in them, we find them here in his word. Again, that is the job of the prophets and the teachers were to grow in these things. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 1. Got to make note to make sure there's a fan up here when I teach. (laughs) And my brother said, Amen. I'm going to take a real quick side note to tell those in Ventura and those in Carpinteria that have air conditioning God bless you. (laughs) Because we're all sweaty in this gym. Psalm 1. (laughs) I'm okay. Psalm one says this. This this is going to give us a picture of where we need to go in direction of a, as a body. As the Lord gave us uh, a while back a word of fruitfulness, we're in a season of fruit, fruitfulness, and so in order to allow fruitfulness, we need to cultivate intimacy with Christ so that we grow, we become effective, we mature. We mature in our generosity. We mature in our love for one another. We mature in in being patient. All that Peter just just exhorted us in. This familiar psalm says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Or stand around the sinners and join with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord. Meditating on it day and night. They are like a tree planted along the river bank. Bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves will never wither. and They will prosper in all that they do. But not the wicked. They are worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place amongst the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Brothers and sisters, let's cultivate a greater degree of intimacy. Meditating On the law of the Lord. Because that, friends, is intimacy with Christ. We grow in the knowledge of Him by spending time with Him in His Word. This morning, we have a great opportunity to do just that. To grow. To seek to no longer, and and the reason why I picked this psalm is because I really believe that God is having us to be fruitful for his purpose and his glory. But we need to be careful not to stand around sinners or join in with mockers, but we're to delight in the law of the Lord. So we have an opportunity to come forward this morning to meditate on this word. Maybe you meditate and you bring up here before you as you hit the deck on the carpets, bring your Bible and look over 2 Peter and ask the Lord where he would have you grow, grow in the knowledge, grow in self-control, grow in patience, grow in godliness, grow in brotherly affection, grow in love. Friends, we need to grow. We cannot remain where we are. There's no effectiveness in that. We have been given breath this morning because he's not done with us. If he's not done with us, then let's see what he has for us. This is exciting. And so I would charge all of us to spend time in meditating, thinking upon the cross as we take communion Think about what he has done. For those of you who just needed to hear that you stand righteous before God, then come forward and take communion and think and meditate upon those things because by doing so, you'll grow that much more today than you were yesterday. And that's what God is calling us to, this great degree of intimacy, this great degree of knowing him more. It's not a call to religious nonsense. It's a call to intimacy and a relationship with a heavenly father who sits on his throne, pleased when his children come before him. Let's spend this moment bowing, bending a knee. When we're called to yoke with Christ, when he says to us, come all you who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest for your weary souls. Take my yoke. Friends, that is our role. In order to do this, we take this yoke, which is easy and light. And in essence, because think of that imagery of the yoke. All that we need to do is bow our heads and bend our knee and allow the yoke of Christ. It's that simple. That's how we grow and mature. is a bended knee and a bowed head before a holy God. Jesus, we acknowledge your word this morning. And we thank you for it. We ask that you would lead and direct us in our time. Here now. As we seek to grow and mature, Lord. We don't want to grow and mature for the sake of building reality or some organization. We want to mature and grow. For the cause of your kingdom. Intimacy with you. Lord, we desire what you have for us this morning, so we yield to you. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Reveal to us where we have stunted the growth, where we have not allowed maturity to take place. Show us, Lord, our heir. We want to plow, we want to grow, we want to be fruitful. And so Jesus, have your way with us this morning. As we bow our heads and bend our knees, we receive the yoke of Christ and say, have your way with us, King. Have our way, have your way with us, Lord. pray this in Jesus' name, amen.